Today's scripture reading is from Joshua 1, 1 through 10, 16 through 18. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the back side of your message notes or beginning on page 153 in your worship Bible. Please follow along as I read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the, beginning, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their, to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded to the officers of the people, and they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and whenever you, wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so, so we will obey you. Only, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with, with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys, disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of God. On April 26th, 1987, almost exactly 29 years ago from today, I preached the first sermon I ever preached on this text. I've done it once before, yeah. It was kind of an odd experience for me to look and to remember that just about 29 years ago, almost to the day, I preached on this text, and I looked up those notes, and I thought it was fun to look them up. At that time, Donna and I were the pastors of a, of a growing and loving church in rural Indiana, and we were excited about what had been happening in our church family, and we were excited about the future of our church family. We were still basking in the glow of an overwhelming Easter season we had just experienced, where our church choir that I had started a year or so before had presented a, a thrilling portrayal of the whole Easter story, and I played the part of Peter in that story as we had that uh, going on. It was a community event, which as far as I know, they still do today. I mean, they did it for 20 
20 or 30 years, 20 years afterwards, they may still do it today. And that, that had just happened a, a, a couple of weeks before. And soon, before long, our growing church in rural Indiana would uh, move to two morning worship services, which they would keep for, for many, many, many years. It was a very exciting time for a young pastor. I had been there two years as their pastor at this time. In addition to this, this was on the 27th of April, but on the 13th of April, just about two weeks before that, we had our baby boy born to us. His name was Kyle, and he was born on the 13th of April. He was our second child. Our daughter was uh, three, year old, uh, uh, three years old. In fact, this had happened, this event happened a couple of days after my daughter's uh, third, third birthday. We were, as I said, 27 years old. I was just about to graduate seminary and eager to discover what the next chapter of my life was going to involve. involve. And so in the midst of all this post Easter, I began what was at that time a 10-week series on the book of Joshua called Advancing the Kingdom of God. On that day, almost exactly 29 years ago, I preached on this text. It was just sort of a walk down memory lane for me. And so I, I looked up those old notes as I was th- thinking about this message today, knowing that I should speak from jo- Joshua, and knowing that some time ago I had done a number of sermons out of, out, of that, uh, out of that book. And it was strange for me and a little bit odd for me to think about that young preacher, you know, uh, his enthusiasm, uh, his fears, his, his failings, his, his faith, and, and some of the events which had happened just after he preached that sermon. That was me a long time ago, but it was me a different part, a different point in my life. And if you've ever took, taken a look at something like that years ago and think how it felt for me then and how it feels for me now, I had a little bit of that kind of experience. Because a few weeks after that message, only a few weeks after that message, I would be officially ordained, which was a culmination of a 10-year of a process of trying to seek God's direction uh, uh, in my life. And so I remember vividly that, that ordination service there in the, uh, in, the, in the church called College Park Church where I, they had that ordination service. It's a treasured memory as my childhood pastor had come uh, and laid his hands on me, ordaining me to the, to the ministry. And then afterwards, when I embraced my father with a huge hug which meant so much to both of us that we had come to this juncture together and that he shared that with me, a a valuable memory in my life. Also, within just a few weeks from this message, I would would discover that this brand-new baby that I had just had, his name was Kyle, this brand-new baby had a life-threatening illness. He had a problem with his lungs, which had he had it only a few years before, he would have just died from it. Now, of course, they had surgery capable, capable to take care of some of that. But this surgery that he had to have happen when he was three months old kept him in the hospital two full months, three major surgeries, a number of minor surgeries, and a huge amount of trauma for us as a family. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of life to be lived between that exciting Sunday morning, even within the next few months as I tried to build optimism, enthusiasm for the future, realizing that I had a lot of things to go through in my own life. That's kind of the way that life is, isn't it? You know, you don't know what's coming up. You hope it's going to be good. And at various junctures in your life, different kinds of things matter to you. Now here we are, nearly 30 years after that time, and I'm taking another look at that text. What does it look like, not through the eyes of a 27-year-old kid, forgive me if you're 27, but you know what I'm saying if you're not, right? Not through the eyes of a 27-year-old pastor, young 
pastor, but a 56-year-old grandfather. Wow, that's hard to imagine that. You know, that infant child, the one who nearly died at three months old, just celebrated his 29th birthday with his wife and his family and his church community. We had a chance to go be with them a week and a half ago, and he's a film editor, and his first film feature as an assistant editor is coming out in June of this year. That's exciting. And, and he and his wife are actively involved in the church. They're helping to start there in Downey, California. That's exciting. I'm no longer, of course, that 27-year-old preacher who's loving his work in rural Indiana. I'm a 56-year-old preacher who's loving his work in cowboy Arizona, <laughs> right? Back then, I was amazed that God had seen fit to let me be the preacher for a country congregation when I had just been on the coast of California before that. I was their surfer preacher, blonde hair and all, playing the guitar. They loved and accepted me and welcomed me for those four wonderful years of ministry. I give God thanks for giving me such a great church family to serve those first four years of my ministry. Back then, I was amazed about that, and that was exciting. But today as well, I'm amazed that God is not, I'm not a country preacher. I'm a cowboy preacher here in, you know, in the cowboy country of Arizona, in a cowboy town. I'm so grateful and thankful. And as I looked at this text, I realized something that I hadn't really thought of before. I always think of Joshua as a young man. But in this text, he's not a young man. He's at least 65 years old, more like probably 80 years old, because Joshua was one of the two men, two adult men, who survived and experienced 40 years before. Some of you may remember this because you read it in Numbers a few weeks ago when they were supposed to go into the promised land, and Joshua was one of the representatives from the, from the uh, tribe of Ephraim, and uh, Caleb was represented from the tribe of Judah, if I recall, or maybe got them mixed up. And they were the only two of the 12 spies who went into that, uh, that, that land 40 years before, the only two who brought back a positive report, who said, surely we can go into that land. They were outvoted, of course, and nearly stoned for their trouble. And ultimately, the people spent 40 years in wandering in the wilderness, and only Joshua and Caleb were the adults that were going to be allowed to go into that land, a whole new generation. So when Joshua is having this conversation with those people on the banks of the Jordan River just before they entered it, he's not 27 years old like I thought 20-some years ago. He's more close to my age now. He's 65 years old, 70. We know know that Caleb, the other guy who went through, was 85. That's what the Bible tells us, that when he went through, he was 85 years old. Now, perhaps Joshua was a little bit younger than him. So this is not a young whippersnapper who doesn't know anything. This is a guy who's lived some years, who's seen disappointment, who continues to have a dream for his future. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great if we all learned how to have a Joshua kind of attitude in our lives, no matter what our age whether we're 27 or 56 or whatever gets, happens after that, right? What does God want to say to us through this passage? How can we have a Joshua kind of perspective in life? I want to suggest to you four things that come quickly and simply out of this text. The first one is this. Never give up on God's dream for your life. Never give up on God's dream for your life. In Joshua's case, as I mentioned already, he had this dream of going into that land, and, and, here, and the dream got deferred for some 40 years. Joshua was one of the few people who could remember Egypt. 
Joshua was an early assistant to Moses. He was kind of Moses' right-hand man. When jo Moses went up to take the tablets on the, on the mountain, Joshua went up nearby as his assistant. Joshua was the guy who, when the Ten Commandments had been given to Moses and heard the revelry down at the end of the mountain, he says, they're, having, they're, they're, they're praising the Lord down there. And Moses said, that is not the sound of, revel, uh, of joy. That's the sound of sin. And he, Joshua was there. Joshua was there when Moses broke those commandments. Joshua saw all these experiences, and Joshua was one of those who was supposed to go in there 40 years before, whether 20 or 30 or 40 years of age himself at that point. He was one who was supposed to go in, and this had been taken away from him, snatched from him, but he never let go of that dream. That's why I love how it says there in the very beginning. I'm sorry, the wind blows my scriptures here sometimes. And what I, one thing I did is I actually made, because I knew this would be a little complicated, on the back side of your message notes, I went ahead and kind of changed some of the text here so you can see the, 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 the references that I'm going to refer to. You can kind of see some of you. You can see there in verses 2 and following, when the Lord said to Moses under this first point, Moses, to Joshua rather, Moses, my servant, he said, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm going to give them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. This was the promised land, their ancestral land. We often think they went in and stole that land from the Canaanites, but that's not really true, is it? Their forefather, Abraham, had been there many, many years before. This was his land. He actually bought property in that land. That was their land. They were taken away from there, and now they're coming back to their ancestral homeland. They want to live in the place that God had promised to their ancestor some four or five hundred years before that time, and they want to go into that. And Joshua is the guy who was able to carry out that dream. Never give up on God's dream for your life. You know, some of us might have given up on what God can accomplish through us. We've had a setback, a reversal, something that's made us feel as though we can't do what it is that God called us to do, or that, that, could, that thing that would God would love to see happen in my life, God can't make it happen. I'm just too weak to let it happen. Never give up on God's dream for your life. I've experienced that myself. Yeah, never give up. I mean, not long after I was there at that place in Indiana, I left. I was going to leave that church, and my dream was to go start a new church. It was going to be probably in uh, Chandler or Peoria, Arizona. I was going to come back to Arizona. That's my home state. where I was from. I thought I was going to come back and start a new church, that that would be why I would leave that church family. And God had seemed to plant that vision for me. Well, as some of you know, that vision never came to fruition. I didn't get the opportunity to do that. I ended up doing something else with my life. I was still working in ministry, and uh, then, there was the, then there was another opportunity later on in my life when I believed God was calling me to plant another church, and that didn't work out either. Strike one, strike two, right? Yeah. And now here I am, four years into this ministry, knowing deep in my bones that this is the dream, that this is the dream. Sorry, got a little emotional there for a second that God had planted in my heart 40 years ago. Maybe not exactly 40, right? Yeah. And so here it is. After all the human resources were spent and all the right opportunities were, were gone by, we start this church. We have the opportunity to do something unique that has little to do with human ingenuity and everything to do with God just wanting this church. Are you glad? Yes, I am too. Yes. You know, people say, how would you come up with the idea for this 
in this church. We didn't come up with any idea. It just landed in our lap. I wish we were that smart, right? We didn't. God knew what he was doing. All God knew, all I knew, was that I lived in Cave Creek and that I wanted, I believed God wanted a church in the heart of Cave Creek, right here in the heart of Cave Creek. We had a handful of people, no financial resources, and I'd already failed before at starting a church. So that, how's that for a good start, right? And there's not a lot of places in Cave Creek that you can get for free, right? <laughs> you know? But we had this connection with Larry, the owner of the chip, that came through a connection with someone else who I actually saw yesterday is going through a really tough time in her life. And I was able to say to her yesterday, and most of you don't know who this is, you are a very important part of what God is doing in our church today, and we're grateful. Tears came into her eyes because for her, some of the dreams she's had for her life have been put on hold, and she was glad to know. Never give up on God's dream for your life. Maybe a failure, a disappointment, a life circumstance has caused you to lose sight of God's dream for your life. You keep focusing on what went wrong yesterday, and you think it limits what can happen for you tomorrow. Don't let that past write your future. Let God's vision write your future. Some of you have marriages which you wish were better, which you've harmed in some way or have been harmed in some way. Don't let the past write your future. Let the vision of God write your future. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah, see, who, what is your inheritance for us? It's essentially that God wants us to become the man and woman that he designed for us to be. They had their inheritance, and they never, Joshua never gave up on that dream. Don't give up on the dream that God has for your life. That's the first thing that I see. Never give up on God's dream for your life. Number two, number two, never let fear squeeze God's courage from your life. Never let fear squeeze God's courage from, uh, from your life. Excuse me. I don't know if I'm the right one or not, Brian. <laughs> okay, I did? Okay, good. I want to repeat these notes so you can see. Did you notice what it says here three times in this text? I bolded them for you. I couldn't remember. The Lord says to him in verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Right? And verse 18, closing with, only be strong and courageous. Why did God and the people need to remind Jacob, or jo Joshua, too many J's sometimes, why did it need to remind Joshua to be strong and courageous? Why? Because there was a temptation to fear, right? There's a temptation to, to be afraid. And the point here is never let fear squeeze God's courage from your life. The Lord gives you courage, but you can let fear get in the way of that. And I couldn't help but think in this context about what had happened there in, uh, uh, in Numbers chapter 14, some years before, 40 years before. The Lord is saying to Joshua right now, don't be afraid, be strong and of good courage. And I couldn't help but remember what had happened happened when the last time was that they went into the promised land. Remember, the 12, the 12 spies went in there, and 10 of them came up with a negative report. 
they said there are some strong and it's a beautiful land. There are some strong and, and fortified cities there and we can't do it. And so ultimately, we see that they said to them, uh, that Joshua said, that Joshua, verse, verse 6 now, and Josh, chapter 14 and verse 6, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. This is the same Joshua and his friend Caleb. And they said to all the congregation of the people, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. They are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Joshua and Caleb, in this setting, Realize that to fear the future that God has for you is to literally rebel against God himself. He said, don't rebel by fearing. So refuse to let fear squeeze God's courage out of your life. Be courageous. And of course, in the New Testament, the Scripture says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. How many times have I known the loving thing to do but resisted it out of fear? It's a conversation that needed to be said. You know, it's a, a relationship that needed to be mended. It's a decision that needed to have been made, but I held back because I was afraid. When I fear, I am not loving fully. I can remember times with all three of our children when during their teenage years, it was important to have a very important conversation of one sort or another. And some of you who have been parents of teenagers, you know that's not always difficult. It's always easy to yell at your kids and to get mad at them and, you know, and to discipline them, right? But it's not always easy to literally talk to them. <laughs> and so our fears cause us to build walls. And I remember thinking at various times, two in particular I can think of in my life, when the Lord seemed to say to me, Steve, you're a father. Love your children enough to be a father to them in this moment. Yes. Never let fear squeeze God's courage from your life. Three times they're saying, be courageous. Be courageous. Be strong and courageous. Some of us have been just really uh, tied down by fears. I do remember that when we, you know, when we started this church. I have to admit that I was full of fear. I wish I could say I'm not afraid, but I often am. But courage is learning how to do the right thing despite your fears, okay? L doing the right thing despite your fears. Some of you need to make decisions that you're just afraid of what the consequences will be. Don't let fear rule your life. Let love rule your life. I think that's a good lesson from Joshua. So, those are the first two. Never give up on God's dream for your life. Never let fear squeeze God's courage from your life. And number three, always rely on God's Word in your life. Always rely on God's Word in your life. It's very strongly printed there in the, in the seventh and eighth verses right there where the Lord says to, Mo, uh, to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
that you may be, so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Clearly, God is saying to Joshua and then by extension to us as well, if you want to find God's future, make sure you listen to God's Word. Listen to God's Word. That's why I'm so excited that so many of you are, are, are part of this Daily Bread Project with us. I know this, it can be a little bit tedious sometimes, and sometimes Deuteronomy or Ludovicus can, uh, can get a little bit daunting, but uh, keep on reading. Get the big story of God's, what's going on. We're trying to get a panoramic view of this story, and so we want to rely on God's Word in our lives. And this is all the way through the Scriptures. I think of the first psalm, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the God, ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bears fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. The ungodly are not sober like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Great verses. Memorize those things. Meditate on those things. Build your life on God's Word. Make sure you're deeply planted and rooted in God's Word. That's one reason why when you come here on Sunday mornings, we make no apology for the fact that we just try to teach what the Bible says. I want you to understand what it meant way back then, and I want you to understand what it means for us right now. We want to look at it in both contexts so we can see that we can be careful to do what God's Word says. Always rely on God's Word in your life. This is a challenge. This is a challenge for us because some of what God's Word says is important. Your culture does not say is important. And you got to decide whether you're going to follow God's Word in your life or you're going to follow the shifting sands of contemporary political or cultural opinion. Yeah. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. Be a person who relies on God's Word. The Bible says in Psalm 1, as I already said to you, that will put your roots deep down into the soil by a river of water where there will always be nourishment even when the tough times and the hot times come in your life. You will not, your leaves will not wither, and what you do will prosper because your, soil, your roots are deep in the soil of God's story as revealed in His Word. Always rely in God's Word in your life. And then there's a fourth thing that's in this text that I think is valuable for both Joshua and for us. Number one, never give up on God's dream for your life. Number two, never let fear squeeze God's courage from your life. Number three, always rely on God's Word in your life. And number four, never forget God's presence in your life. God is present in your life. Look what it says there in the, uh, in the fifth verse. I think, did my text blow away again? Probably did. All right, I'll just go. Oh, thank you, Ruth. <laughs> All right, very good. Notice what the Lord says. I underlined it in here. That's what I couldn't remember for sure what I did. Verse 5, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. You ever heard that verse? I never, leave, never will leave you. It comes from Hebrews. It's a quotation from this text right there, Okay. Verse 9, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then the people said to him in the 17th verse, only may the Lord your God be with, uh, be with you. God's presence. Joshua could have courage. 
Joshua could hold on to dreams. Joshua could follow God's word in his life because Joshua had the assurance that God was always present in his life. This was such a beautiful thing to be given at that point because the Lord had always been in the presence of Moses. Moses was the one with a direct connection to God. Now Moses is gone, and, and God comes to Joshua in the midst of that changing moment. You know, following a leader who's been successful for 40 years, Moses, you're the next guy in line. And the Lord says, don't worry, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. And certainly that was true. Yes, I can't help but think of a time in the future when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified and raised from the dead and then met with his disciples on a mountain outside of Jerusalem in the Gospel of Matthew in the 28th verse. When following his resurrection, he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And then he ascended from them, which suggests to us that he, like Queen Elizabeth, ascended the throne to take his rightful place of rulership over this earth. He had conquered it through his death and through his resurrection. And then, ten days after he left, he sent his spirit down into his people. That's called the day of Pentecost, when not only was the Lord, the Lord was not with them in bodily form in the way that he had been before, but now God, the creator of the earth, the Jesus, who the embodied of God on this earth. This God had come to live within their hearts through His Holy Spirit. He had given them the first fruit, the first taste of the inheritance. This Holy Spirit is called the earnest money, the deposit of our inheritance, the realization that God is present within us. So you are never, never alone. You are never, never without resources. Yeah, yeah. God is always with you. If you have responded in faith to him, those people in that day had to respond in faith to God. The people in Jesus' day had to respond in faith to God. And the people of this day also need to respond in faith to God. Yes, um, never forget God's presence among you. Never forget that Jesus is with you. And so I'm grateful on this day, some 30 years from the day I last spoke on this text, that I can say with you again, you know, I'm not as young a guy as I was way back then, but I know that as we move forward as a church, God is in what we're doing. And God has given us the opportunity to serve this community. And I'm really not just interested in how well our church survives or in the next year or two. I want to know what kind of church will this be in the year 2050 when I'm too old to be its pastor anymore. And so will you, Bill. I hate to say it. I, let's build a legacy. Let's build a church which continues to serve this community as Joshua brought those people into the land and, uh, and, and helped them to, 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 uh, to, be, to bring the beachhead of the Lord into the midst of that land, so too God is giving us as a, as a community of faith the opportunity to be a significant, difference-making kind of community here within this town of Cape Do you believe that? I guess, yes, you do. I can tell you do. 
And we can know that the Lord has brought us to this point. And you can know that whatever might have happened in your past, whatever might have happened difficult for you, don't let the past define your future. Let the presence and the power of God allow you to never give up on God's dream for your life, to never let fear squeeze God's courage from your life, to always rely on God's Word in your life, and never to forget God's presence in your life. For lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus Christ, we are so very thankful that you are so very patient. We feel like the children of Israel often in our lives. We realize that uh, we tend to be fearful. We tend to get frustrated. We tend to test you. Thank you, Lord, that the past does not have to define our future. Thank you for the promises of God. Thank you that we can rely on you in our lives. I really give you thanks that you've allowed us to be able to be a church which is able to serve this community. We're grateful. And I give you thanks for the way I have been seeing you work in the hearts of people in our church family, some who are just coming to faith in Jesus, some whose faith is simply being reignited in a fresh and new way, people for whom the Word of God is becoming more and more real and alive, people who are beginning to see the opportunity to uh, honor you in ways in their lives they hadn't thought of before. I'm grateful, grateful. I'm thankful that you are here with us. And I'm thankful for the story of Jesus, which reminds us that he took our death so that we could have his life. We want to respond in faith to him today anew. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.